You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast, where Welsh rugby matters. Plenty for us to talk about in this episode on the weekend that Wales finally end their hoodoo against Australia, putting to bed 10 years worth of defeats and 13 straight losses. There might not have been any tries, but plenty for us to get stuck into, including a breakdown masterclass from Justin Tipperick, a contentious shoulder barge and Lee Halfpenny missing sitters. Dan Killick celebrating his birthday today, so happy birthday, Dan. Uh, but joining me to get stuck into all the action is good friend of the show, making his full debut after a couple of appearances off the bench. It's Craig Muncy. How are you, Craig? I'm very well, thanks, Jed. Thanks for asking me on. Yeah, great to have you back on. Uh, how's the head this morning? All right? Yeah, totally fine. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a quiet one. So, uh, yeah, I'm fired up, ready to go. So. Hey, there we go. You take these things seriously. I like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be starting the show with Fact or Fiction. But before we do that, a quick thank you to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Christmas will soon be upon us, whether you like it or not. And if you're looking for ideas, you could do a lot worse than heading over to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get your hands on some great gifts for the coffee enthusiasts in your family. Right, Craig, fact or fiction, first part of the show. You know the way it works. I'm sure the audience knows by now as well. Five statements. We debate whether they're true or false. Okay, yeah. First one is this. The result against Australia is all that matters, fact or fiction. Uh, for me, that would be fact. Like you said earlier, you know, going uh, 10 years, yeah. uh, 13 games, just getting over that line, you know, getting the victory against, you know, Southern Hemisphere side. Yeah, so for me, that would be a fact. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that one. I've been surprised actually seeing a bit, or maybe I shouldn't be surprised, seeing a bit on social media today of people kind of whinging about the performance. <laughs> I just think, you know, how many, how many times have we played probably a bit more attractive rugby than that? against Australia and, and lost in heartbreaking manner. You know, I want to see attacking rugby as much, if not more than anyone. Um, but, it, you know, it's, 
so so often it's just come down to that mentality thing, and we've we've done it. We've we've broken that jinx. Exactly. You know, we've, we've got over the line. We've got the win. You know, like you say, you know, there's been so many tight games. Over the last five, ten minutes, you know, I'm sure I wasn't the only one who's getting a bit nervous. You know, especially people like Curly B will be on the pitch still. So, um, you know, as you say, I, I thought they handled the last five, ten minutes very well. I yeah, thought, I did. You know, you know, I, I, I didn't have the fear that I've had in previous games in Australia. You know, I, I thought we continued very, very well. So, um, yeah, and Dan Bigger coming on and, and taking, taking the points, getting a victory. Yeah. I think um, as much as anything, you know, like you're right. I obviously we've all been there and had that fear. But there's there's other times where I've actually felt like there is an air of um, inevitability around it. Yeah. Think back yeah. to the the quarterfinal against South Africa in the World Cup, just gone. I, I kind of I was in the stadium that day and I knew I knew we weren't going to win it. I just had that feeling. Whereas yesterday it kind of felt different. I felt we had the opportunity to close it out and we did. Yeah, I agree. You, you know. <laughs> There's been many a game where I haven't felt as calm as I did, and mm. you know the defence in the first 75 minutes, you know, gave you that confidence, didn't it? So, um, yeah, you know, getting over that line, getting that victory, giving the boys the confidence, and uh, you know, as we all know, there's a, another Southern Hemisphere side to come as well. Exactly. You know, two weeks time. So, uh, exactly. And you know, like um, like we're saying, perhaps it wasn't the the prettiest game, but in a way, I think Wales kind of really just had to go back to a bit of you know, a typical Gatland Edwards performance, really. You know, let's let's grind this one out. Uh, we can't afford to play too unstructured because that you know that plays into Australia's hands. So in a way, I think it was kind of um, the right the right tactics from the management. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, one of our strengths undoubtedly is our defence. You know, mm. and it has been for many years. Uh, and as you say, a tight game. That ball was slow. You know, both both back rows or both packs. You know. Forced the issue where so the the team with the ball was was struggling to get you know any momentum whatsoever, um, and yeah I, you know, I I thought we played very well the kick chase you know sometimes you're wondering mm. you know what what is the tactics of the kicking but you know very rarely will they make any line breaks so um, you know and with people as you say if we try to play a wider game with David Pocock on the pitch and you know, I thought yeah again was outstanding hey, you know Will Will Genny yeah. again was was excellent nine you know if, if you give Will Genny a quick ball and Foley you're asking for trouble, so um, I thought continued very, very well. Yeah, no, I agree, and I just think it was it was fantastic performance up front. You know, so much was going to be made about the battle at the breakdown because they've got you know these these kind of twin fetchers in uh, Hooper and Pocock, and yeah. you know they're traditionally that's an area that they're very, very strong at. But likewise, I think it just showed it showed how not just not just our back row but the whole pack everyone was up for it you saw everyone in there clearing players out some of the counter rucking i thought was phenomenal actually there were times where you just saw oh actually hang on we got a bit of a nudge here and then three or four more players had come in they, they reacted really well i thought all in all i thought the pack were, were very very impressive yesterday yeah i agree i thought there's a lot of intelligence showing the forwards you know when to mm. go in when not to just say when they started getting a little bit of a nudge on you know there was two or three joining in so um yeah i, I thought I thought the game plan obviously worked perfectly, uh, and, and as, you, you know, as we said at the start, ultimately getting that win was, was all that mattered. Yeah, absolutely agree. Right, let's move on and have a look at, I guess, more attacking matters, and uh, the statement for you is this one. There is a serious argument for Thomas Williams coming into the side for the South Africa game. Whew, serious. Um, yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that. I'd say fact to that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I like Gareth Davis. I think he's a fine scrum half. You know, he's, he's a real try scoring threat. 
But um, there are times where, you know, I, I think you know, his box kicking can let him down at times. Yeah. Um, when I say let him down, I, sometimes I wonder if he's playing to, you know, to what the coach's uh, orders. But, um, but yeah, I, I think he was, he was a little bit slow as well with his delivery. Um, and I felt when Thomas came on, you know, I, I know it's easier when you come on and you're fresher yeah. you know, the last 15, 20 minutes or whatever it was. But yeah, you know, I, I thought that it, it did speed up at the breakdown. You know, I, I thought we, we were giving our backs a little bit more time. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's, you know, based on performances for their, for their respective regions and a couple of games played for Wales, I don't think there's much in it between uh, Gareth Davis and mm. Thomas Williams, I will be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in a way sometimes it's easier to be the rookie in that scenario, isn't it? Because yeah. I guess you've, yeah, like you say, you know, you're, you're coming on for these cameo appearances off the bench. You're impressing when players around you are tired, especially in a position like scrum half, and especially where you're a speedy player like Thomas Williams. And yeah, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm picking on Davis here because I think some aspects of his game have been great, particularly the line speed, um, and especially against Scotland, he was up out, out of that line, disrupting yeah. very, very well. And um, but yeah, the, the box kicking and the service, I think, has, has been a bit of a hindrance in the last couple of games. And I just think that where you've got Anscombe playing in such, you know, such good form of late, I think Wales could benefit from, from having that quicker service. He's my kind of scrum half, Thomas Williams. Yeah, you know, he, he is very, very quick around the park. We say, obviously, the fact he plays with Anscombe, you know, for, for the Cardiff Blues, even though Anscombe has played quite often mm. 15 this season. But, um, you know, they've got that relationship. I agree with what you say about the defence. You know, Gareth Davis has been an outstanding defence. You know, so if you take him out, you know, is Thomas Williams that type of defender? I, I would probably say he's not. But ultimately, what you know, what are you looking for from your number nine? Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. I think that's a close call. I, I, I do think that's a that's a decision, obviously, that Gatlin needs to make. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if he see if he does do that. Interesting point you touched upon there with the the box kicking. Again, something we debated on last week's show is really, really difficult to decide exactly what the, you know, kind of, I guess, who to who to blame on this, or you know, is is it fair to level the criticism at Gareth Davis when he's he's probably being told to play this game plan? That's a difficulty, isn't it? We don't really know, obviously, what what the tactic they've been told to go out with. Mm. Um, you know, there's a number of times we kicked, and I think you know, that's way too long. You know, what is the point to that? But obviously, with the kick chase and the defence that Wales have, you know, it could well be that you know that that is what is being asked of him by Gatland. You mm. know, get up, make the tackle, and and then try and earn the penalty or or force them you know, on the back foot and kick it into touch or whatever. So, um, yeah, for me, you know, watching it without knowing about the tactics behind it, I, I feel the box kick has been pretty poor over the last two games. Mm. What about? Thomas Williams, in terms of, you know, you're, you've been a Cardiff Blues fan, obviously you've seen him play an awful lot of rugby. Are there any areas that you think are kind of weaknesses in his game or any areas that he'd, you know, probably have to step up a little bit when it comes to international rugby? I, I think he's an outstanding talent, Thomas. You know, as soon as he burst on the scene, you know, we could see that. Um, I, I do feel at times you know, he needs a bit more control in his game. Mm. You know, there was an instance there yesterday where, you know, the ball's, at the back, and yes, there's a stray leg on it, he's snatching it, you know, yeah. just needs a little bit of composure at times. But um, there's no doubt, you know, he's still a young man, you know, there's no doubt, in my view, he's going to be a top, top scrum half, uh, and he's not a million miles away from it already. Yeah, with with that in mind, do you think that, you know, because obviously we're going, we've got very little time ahead of the World Cup now, 
unless there is some massive U-turn, we're not going to have Rhys Webb to call upon. Do you think there's an argument for blooding him against South Africa in a game that's you know, going to be a real high-intensity, proper international test match? Is there an argument for putting him in to start with just to see how he copes with that, with that scenario? I think so. You know, I, I think his temperament has been very good. He's played some big European games. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's the same level as playing against the South Africans in this world, but you know, he, he doesn't seem to suffer too much with nerves. Um, it, it, you know, I, I think he, he could certainly play in that game. It, the big one is going to be who, who plays against Tonga. You know, mm. if Thomas Williams gets that start. Does that then mean? You know, they, they are wanting to give him a bit more game time for the following Saturday. You know, does Alec Davis get a start against Tonga? You know, bearing in mind what Gatlin has been saying about he wants to blood all the players. But um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think we might have a better understanding about what's going to happen in South Africa based on who plays a scrum half against Tonga. But um, if it was my choice, I, I, I would start Thomas Williams against South Africa in two weeks' time. Right. Let's. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a look ahead to that that Tonga game, of course, later on in the show. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And the third of the fact or fictions for this week, the late tackle on Lee Halfpenny highlights the inconsistencies that are starting to ruin the game. Fact or fiction? Yeah, that, that, that is a fact. That, mm. that is a, a, a strong fact as you can get, really. <laughs> it, it, you know. I, I, I do sympathise with the players at times, you know, with, with the interpretation. Um, but obviously, there's a duty of care. You know, if, if you're going to go and charge down a kick or carry the ball, um, you know, and, and Karevi, I feel could have done a lot more. Yeah. You know, to to avoid that type of contact. You know, at, at the time, and I'll be totally honest, I didn't think there was much in it. You know, mm. I remember saying to a friend of mine, I said, "Well, you know, what's he supposed to do?" But then, when you do see it again, slow down, and you hear obviously. People who've played the game at a much, much higher level than me, um, you know, you, you do think actually, you know, he does need to do a bit, bit more than what he actually does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you know, it's 100 miles an hour, isn't it, at times? And, and having that composure and just having that little moment, just have a little think about things, you know, it must be very, very difficult for these players. I'm sure it is difficult, I, I, definitely. And you're right, the GC care is, is the, the most important thing there. I think it is just. As we kind of said in the statement, it's the inconsistency that is just so frustrating because yeah. in the first half, you had Dan Lydiot give away a penalty for a no-arms tackle. He's diving at the bloke's feet. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, he made, a, he made an attempt to wrap his arm anyway. Yeah, I agree. And that is, that's given a penalty, yet the Karevi incident doesn't, doesn't even warrant a penalty. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Watching, uh, watching the Gloucester, um, Gloucester's first game in the, in the Heineken Cup down at London Welsh. And, you know, Danny Cipriani gets sent off for, in my opinion, absolutely nothing. And, you know, and then, you, you know, he genuinely couldn't have done anything in that, in that situation. You know, it is a shoulder to head. And then you've got this where even in the old days, that would have been, you wouldn't have been surprised for a penalty to be given as a late tackle even if it wasn't a shoulder barge or anything to the head. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you'd, have, if you'd have gone in that late, I actually think you'd have, you'd have seen a penalty given for a, for a late tackle rather than, you know, reckless or dangerous play. It would just been a, a late tackle. So I think there just needs to be, the, the grey areas have to go from, uh, from this because otherwise it is just becoming a bit of a farce, to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the, the scrutiny, you know, every challenge of this type, 
at the moment. You know, it's been played God knows how many times on BT Sport mm. or whatever channel. You know, and, and, and when it's slowed down, you know, a lot of things can look a lot worse. But for me, you know, watching it again, I, I do feel it should have at least been a penalty. And, and for me, if you look at Karevi's reaction as soon as he does it, he, you know, he, he knows there's a danger there. There's been a penalty mm. or, or a lot worse. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Straight to, he kind of looks up like a, I guess, a kid who's been caught with his hand in a sweet jar, yeah. doesn't he, really? And he looks to see if half penny's all right. I think he knows that. You know, to be honest, I think Karevi looked up there thinking, I'm going to get a red card for this. I, th- I think you shouldn't expect a card, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, and then when, obviously, the referee having a look at it and TMO, you know, I, I'm sure Karevi is just waiting, you know, to be, you know, be led off the pitch mm-hmm. either for a 10-minute spell or, or, or permanently. So, uh, yeah. so, when, so when nothing is given, I'm sure he's more surprised than most. So I think it's just the fact that it's kind of, it's just not clear-cut. That's the thing that I find most yeah. frustrating with it. And... You know, in that scenario, for, for me personally, I think the the suitable sanction is a is a penalty and a yellow card, and I think that would that would help narrow. You know, that would help kind of eliminate these kind of these kind of incidents in the game without ruining. You know, because if that had happened in the 13th minute and it then ended up being a red card, then you've potentially got a very very different game on your hands. Whereas I think the yellow card is a good sanction that it will stop players doing it. They'll think twice. They know that the onus is on them to not clatter the player and certainly don't clatter their head. Um, and I think that would that would kind of help clear things up a little bit. But, you know, it's uh, yeah, it just is one of those inconsistencies. But uh, what I would, what I will say is because off the back of that, Wales then conceded a penalty straight away. I was impressed that they didn't let that let that get to them, because really what should have happened is it should have been a penalty to Wales where the ball landed. And um, and it ended up being, you know, the the equalising penalty for Australia. What I was impressed with was the fact that. Wales didn't panic in that scenario, and when even when Australia had fate, you know had a few phases in Wales's half, there was there seemed to be great discipline. Let's not give away a penalty here. Whereas you know perhaps in the past that's where we w- we would have kind of made those nervous, silly decisions. Yeah, I agree, and, and I think that Australia did lack, you know, apart from like maybe Karevi and Coleman a couple of times, they did lack those big ball carriers. Mm. You know, when you're playing Pocock and a Hooper in your back row, you know, Pocock and Hooper can carry the ball. You know, they're, they're not that big, dominating, physical specimen, you know. You know, with the, the, the number six of, the, of you know, a few years ago, Scott Fardy and those types. Yeah. For me, Dempsey, Dempsey didn't really get into the game, I didn't feel. And, and, and it seemed to me that everything was being played not behind our game line. So our defence was able to, you know, just stay on top of things, you know, a lot, lot easier than previous years. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree with that. And, uh, yeah, plenty more for us to, to look ahead to in the, uh, in the second half of the show. Uh, so lots more to come after this very, very short break. Right, still to come, we'll be having a look ahead to the Tonga game uh, with coaching consultant Ben Pegner. But first, we've got two to go on Fact or Fiction, Craig. And uh, the first of those is this. Seven wins in a row shows that Wales are quite rightly number three in the world. Fact or fiction? Number three in the world. Um, well, you know, if, if you've got seven wins on the bounce, then, yeah, you know, I, I think, obviously, you've got your New Zealand, who, who, you know, even though they, they got a narrow victory yesterday, <laughs> I, they, they, are, they are the number one, then you've got Ireland. So, yeah, I, I think it's between, at the moment... Yeah, I'd say seven wins of bounce. Yeah, let, let's, let's say that's, that's fact. 
Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a lot of English people who disagree with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, <laughs> that, that that might well be the case. To be honest, I don't think it's necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily England. I think Wales will justify that position if we beat South Africa. Yeah. Um, I think that would be. I think that would be fair. At the moment, I think it's it's up for grabs, really. Um, you know, obviously the the ranking systems are there based on based on a point system, aren't they? So it, there's always going to be room for debate around them. I think that actually the uh, yeah is it, is less important. You know, outside of when you're looking for seedings for the Rugby World Cup, you know, it's important that you get in there so you get that you get that top seeding. Um, but outside of that, you know, I think it's it is a little bit less important. I think what is important is that Wales go into that game against South Africa, believing they can win, and if they do, then I think that that then starts to starts to give them a huge amount of confidence going into going into you know what could be a, a really interesting Six Nations. And then before you know it, the World Cup's upon us. Yeah, I totally agree. As I say, you know, for me, New Zealand and Ireland uh, are definitely one or two, one, two. And then it's us, uh, England and South Africa. And as you say, you know, if we beat South Africa, then I, I think, you know, we're fully justified to be claiming our third spot. So, it's, um, yeah, there's it's, it's some big, big matches coming up this autumn. So this is that's it. This is it. And, uh, right, the last one on fact or fiction, uh, with South Africa looming... Gatland has to make wholesale changes against Tonga, fact or fiction? Well, Gatland has, has come out, hasn't he, and said he, you know, everyone's going to be given game time. Um, I, I'd like to see us stick with one or two, you know, that, that they've been playing, you know, just to keep that momentum going. But um, again, I, I, I can see where Gatland is coming from, and you know, he wants competition for places, you know, that's, that's a... That's a key statement he keeps making. Yeah. So um, we know it, you know, it is going to happen and there is going to be wholesale changes. Um, there's one or two players who who I would like to see keep playing and there's one or two I'd like to obviously sit out the Tonkin game. You know, the South Sea Islanders and their, their tactic habits. So so yeah. um, it's a tricky one. <laughs> just, before, just before we get your thoughts on the team you'd like to see, it's an interesting point there you raise about competition for places and how Gatlin's kind of stressed that. To go back to the, the Thomas Williams point that we made at the at the, the kind of the start of the show, yeah. again, you know, I think that probably plays into that argument that that he probably should get a run starting because, you know, he's shown, like you said, on, on form there's not a great deal in it. He's performed very well coming off the bench. If, you, if you're serious about competition for places, then I think he's, he's probably done enough to deserve a, a start for that game, really. Yeah, I, I'd agree, you know, and, and people like Nicky Smith, mm. who, I, who, I thought, who I thought was excellent yesterday, you know, Nick, Nicky Smith, I've, I've, I've had some doubts about mm. at the international level, I will be honest, um, but I, I thought he was very, very good, not just in the scrum, you know, the breakdown, you know, yeah. he, he, he's bulked up, he looks far more of a physical specimen than he used to, so... Uh, yeah, the breakdown in particular, actually, he was a real nuisance, wasn't he? Whether it was clearing was, out yeah. or getting his hands over the ball, I was very, very impressed with him there, and you're right, the scrum, you know, the... The scrummaging was a bit of a funny one yesterday because I think we, I, I think Australia kind of gifted us a couple of soft penalties really, with um, particularly on on Thomas Francis's side. They just, they just kind of almost, they seem so so soft. But you know, yeah. again, it's it's really really encouraging to to have that much more kind of strength in depth within the squad. Absolutely, yeah, and, and the back three, you know, George North, you know. Didn't look very good. I, I haven't heard any updates, so we'll be honest on, on, on mm. the severity of that injury. But um, you know, potentially we don't need to bring in a new winger. Um, so is that going to be Liam Williams? You know, I, I thought Josh Adams on the other wing 
was outstanding on Saturday. Oh, we did. We definitely need to mention Josh Adams. I, I, I thought that was such an accomplished performance. You know, he, he looked a threat with ball in hand. Some of those, I, I probably hadn't given him credit for how physical he is, actually, because, you know, he, he bumped a couple of players off with, with relative ease there. He's, he's a tough character, isn't he? He is a tough character. You know, I, I was very, very impressed by him. You know, he, he was superb on the summer tour, mm. um, just gone, uh, and, and he's and he's carried that on. Um, you know, and, and talking about back three players, obviously, you know, we we got Jonah Holmes who, who's, who's yeah. going to be available. You know, we haven't yet seen him on the international stage. Um, I mean, yeah. Luke Morgan did nothing. I didn't, did nothing wrong in Scotland. You know. Yeah, so, he just didn't get a lot of ball, did he? Really? No, he just didn't. He didn't see it. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's definitely competition there, and, and in other areas as well. So, um, you, you know, Gatlin's saying he wants college for places, but he's certainly getting that in, mm. in a number of areas. Um, the big the big worry for me is, is number eight. You know, r- right yeah. now, you know, if he's going to rest Moriarty, um, you know, well, who's going to play? Who's going to play Eddie Tonga? You know. Yeah, th- this is the interesting one. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't know. I think one of two things might happen here. I, I would be surprised if he played Moriarty. I just think he, need, he needs that rest. And because we have no depth there, I don't think you can afford to risk him against uh, no. against Tonga. So, per, you know, personally, I'd be looking at, at resting him. But then it becomes down to, right, well, do you have a look at the experiment like they have done with, with Seb Davis at eight in the past, which I've not been a massive fan of? Uh, or do you look at bringing in someone like Josh Navidi, who is apparently fit now, and they said they, they wouldn't necessarily rule that out uh, as an option. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very tricky one. I think you're right. Eight is definitely the, the position that's of most concern when it comes to strength and depth. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with what you said there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, take the risk against Tonga. You know, he, he, took a couple of, he took a knock, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he took the ball into Pocock, and he was limping around after that. that bit. Yeah. yeah, a huge hit. So, you know, with Faletau being out, unfortunately, I, I wouldn't take that risk, no. So it will be interesting to see who does fill that, uh, fill that shoes. It will be. If you were in Gatlin's position, um, let's have a look and, and see kind of what, what you would go for next week. Do you, want to, do you want to start with a pack or start with the backs, Craig? Whichever one you want. I, I read on mine. All right, let's start, let's start with the pack then, shall we? Um, let's start, with, let's start with, the, with the front row. Um, again, here I'd probably be looking for... I think you've got to give Nicky Smith a rest after that, after those two big games. Um, I, I don't think it's worth risking Rob Evans in there, so I'd probably be giving Wynne Jones a, a run out here. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you know, Wynne Jones you know, was very impressive uh, last season. Mm. Um, you know, he, he's had a few injuries at you know, the start of this season, but um, you know, he, he's a, yet another loose head, I think. You know, really looks like he, he could play a, a major part uh, in Wales over the coming years. So, yeah, I, I, I'd go with Wynne Jones at one as well. Yeah, and then hooking, uh, again, I, th- I think Gatlin's obviously said he kind of wants to give everyone a game, which would mean probably Ryan Elias, which I don't think I would be too opposed to, again, considering the amount of rugby he's played with Wynne Jones, so I'd probably go with Elias there. Yeah, I, I would probably start Elliot D, only because, only because we didn't get any game time yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I think you know, Elias will be on the bench, so you know, I would certainly bring Elias on and give him a decent game time. But I think I'd probably give a start to Elliot D. Just give him that start. Let's, let's just have a look at him you know, from, from the beginning of a game rather than the, uh, the roles he has been playing recently. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'm happy to, happy to concur with you on that one. We'll give Elliot, <laughs> D, give Elliot D the nod. And then what about tight head? 
Um, well, for me, if Samson Lee is fit, mm. which, again, I haven't heard any updates on this, I, I would be tempted to give Samson Lee the give start the if, 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 he is, if he is fit. Um, if he's not fit and there's any doubt about him, you know, is he then going to be a problem for South Africa, I would give Leon Brown yeah. the, the start. Okay, yeah, so, I'd, I'd, I'd probably agree with that, I think. Second row is where it gets a, where it gets a little bit tricky um, because it's probably not clear cut as to who the, the first choice second rows will be going into that South Africa game. But yeah, uh, yeah what uh, what would you be looking at here? I mean, definitely resting Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah, Alan Wynne has been yet again goes off same way, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know I need to say it, but yeah, again, <laughs> outstanding. Um, so yeah, got to give Alan Wynne the rest. Um, my second my second rows, I, I I would give Jake Ball mm-hmm. a start. Uh, my second second row, um, Adam Beards. I don't know. He, I, we didn't see a huge amount of him yesterday. You know, he, he, he looks apart, doesn't he? Mm. He's got the size. Um, but I, I did think when he came off, I thought Corey Hill was outstanding when I he came agree, on the bench. Yeah. He was a real zip in his game. I would probably give Corey Hill the start. Would you? Um, see, yeah. A, yeah. Kenny, I don't know whether I'd be tempted to to give Beard another run out, actually. And yeah. yeah, I think almost Corey Hill looked so impressive coming off the bench that, you know, he's, he's staking a claim for that shirt back against South Africa. So I'd almost go, right, OK, if Beard goes out and has a blinder, then he's he's kind of played himself back into back into the side. So I'd, I'd probably go Beard and uh, Beard and Ball there, I think. Yeah, that's fine. Well, you gave me a lift, didn't you? So there I'll, we go. All right, we'll go. You can have the other beer. <laughs> uh, and then in the in the back row, as you said, eight is very very difficult. Personally, I think I, I think um, Ellis Jenkins is due a run out and will skip and should yeah. skip of the team as well. So I think he he comes in at seven. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'd probably go Aaron Wainwright at six. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, I I, I like Wainwright. He's a young up and coming player. Um, you know, when I was looking at the opportunity at eight, I was thinking, well, could Wainwright play eight? But <clears throat> you, you know better than me because, you know, obviously the Dragons. But um, I, I, I think it'd be a little bit unfair. Yeah. I think it'd be a little bit unfair. So I'd probably start I, at I six. I agree. I think it's, I, I think he is a six, actually. And um, yeah. again, in a way, I think probably with, with Dan Lilly not having his best game, actually, I didn't think against uh, against Australia. Again, plenty of hard work, but a couple of a couple of penalties given away. I would probably say that, you know, I don't know, possibly there's a, a chance that that sixth position could be up for grabs. Yeah. Maybe not. You know, I, I think if you consider who who South Africa are going to have in their lineup, actually, when you, you think about it, having a, a good old fashioned tree chopper like Lydia is probably what you're going to need in that game. Um, but yeah, I would, I would go Wainwright at six, Jenkins at seven. Yeah. And then eight is just where it gets very, very difficult. It does get very difficult, you know, if they stick with what's in the squad right now, they're going to give Lydia to go at eight. Mm. But again, does he deserve a rest as well? So I, I wouldn't be surprised, like, like, you, like you touched on earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes in from outside the current squad. Yeah, this uh, is where I find it a bit strange that, that Ollie Griffiths didn't get in the initial squad. You know, I thought he would, yeah. he would have been hard pushed to get close to the, to get close to the I guess, the, the big tests. But at the same time, I, I think it was um, it was a little bit strange that he that he wasn't there, just given his ability to to cover eight when we've got very very little cover there. Yeah, I agree. I thought the balance of the back row that was picked for the autumn series was, was a little bit strange, mm. but um, but possibly that they have always always <clears> had in the back of their mind that um, you know Navidi was and Seb Davis were coming back to fitness and and they could get selected if and when needed. So. But yeah, if you just look at the, at the squad that was named, I, I thought the balance was very strange. 
Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. Again, I suppose, yeah, I'd be tempted to go with bring the bring Navidi in if he's if he's going to be fit enough and um, and give him that give him that task at eight. Yeah, it's a big ask because you know he has been out for a little while. Yeah. Really. Um, but, um, nice, you know, we, nice game. We, we it's longer to warm you up. <laughs> as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get your head down, running to that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, we 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 know how good Josh has been. Um, you know, he's burst on the scene for Wales, mm. and uh, you know, he's never let them down. So uh, I'm sure if he's called upon and he's fit, um, yes, he can certainly do a job with it. Okay, then into the backs. Nine's a difficult one. I'd probably be tempted to go with Ali Davis here. I think. Yeah, bear in mind, I, I, I'm going to go with Thomas Williams against South Africa. Yeah, yeah. I, I would start with Ali, Ali Davis at nine uh, on Saturday. And then what about ten? I mean, if, if Patchell's fit, I, I'd give Patchell the run out here. Again, I, he's a player who's played a lot with Ali Davis, so that that's kind of my thinking behind it, is where you're going to have to make wholesale changes, people who have played with one another before. I think it does help to have that in mind. Yeah, you know, Dan Bigger coming on and, you know, being put in, in the position to be the first line kicker after half penny going after Anska. Yeah. You know, that shows the faith that you know Gatlin's got in his kicking ability, you know, and his game management. Um, but yeah, for me, we, we know what Baker can do. Um, you know, he's, he's you know he's, he's given great service to Wales. Mm. Um, I think he's sometimes a little bit hard hard done by by other as other Welsh teams have had in the past. You know, he he's not as he hasn't got that running, talented, mm. younger than guy of some, but you know, he's, he's a test animal, isn't he? You he's know, a test animal. He's a idiot as well. So. And when we talk about players, you know, we talk about kind of how it's been a mental struggle to, to get over the line against the Southern Hemisphere side. You get the feeling that one player who just does not suffer from that is, is Dan Bigger. I think mentally he's so, so strong and that he'll definitely be in that World Cup squad. And, yeah. um, you know, I think he's, he's not going to give up that 10 shirt without a fight. No, I think if players do want to play a more expansive game, then perhaps he's not the the best equipped to do that at 10, but he's, he's a player who's going to be in and around the squad because when it comes to big games, like he showed yesterday, I just don't think he feels the nerves. I really don't. I think he thrives on that. If, there is a, if there's an opportunity to take a match-winning a match winning penalty in a massive game, as, as he showed against England in, in Rugby World Cup 2015, yeah. he, he wants to take those kicks. You know, he's, there's no way he's shying away from it. No, not at all. You know, he, he, he stands up, you know, he, he's the first guy stepping forward to take it on, mm-hmm. isn't he? So, um, you know, people talk about Sextons and the Farrells and, and I'm not saying he's as good as those, but he's still got, he's got the same type of mentality as those. So, um, yeah, but, you know, for me, I, I would start with Patchell yeah. um, against Tonga. Same. You know, he's gone for the head protocol, so <laughs> as you said earlier, is Tonga the best game uh, for that? But, probably, uh, well, probably not. But we, but we need to find out. You know, if he's passed all the tests, then we, we need to find out, don't we? So. I agree. All right, well, let's go with Patchell there. Then it gets really interesting when you get into the into the, the centres and the outside backs. Um, I think Owen Watkins needs a run out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Again, you know, a young man who's, who's been very impressive. You know, he's, he's a very physical ball carrier. Uh, you know, does he give you the same type of ball play that Hadley Pass can give you? Well, let's find out. So, mm. yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I would go with Owen Walker at 12. And, and I don't think Hadley Pass has played that great. Well, no, he hasn't, game. Yeah. So, you know, if, if Watkins shines... Who knows? But you would still expect Parks to get, to get the 12 shirt. Yeah, I, I would. I think it's I think it's mainly an attack and the odd defensive, you know, the odd defensive. It's just things that we're not used to seeing from Hadley Parks, I think. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure they'll they'll kind of sort themselves out. Um, but yeah, I would go with Watkin for this game. And then who who would join him in the centre? Tyler Morgan maybe? 
Yeah, I, I think Jonathan Davis is so is so massive for Wales. Oh, you, you can't yeah, risk him. You can't. I, I would not risk him. He's talking absolutely. You know, he, he was outstanding again yesterday. Yeah. He's, he's that handoff and just his defensive abilities as well. You know, Tyler Morgan you know, was a surprise that he got into the squad, mm. but you know, when you look at outside centres, there's not that many you know around at the moment. No, you no. know, at the very top level. So, you know, he burst on the scene many years ago, didn't he? You know, he's still still relatively young, isn't he yeah. as well? So. Uh, He's a talent, you know, but unfortunately with the injuries picked up, we've never really seen it. But, um, you know, he's fit, he's in the squad, and yeah, I, I think he, uh, I, I would give him the 13 shirt against Tonga. Okay, and then the, uh, the back three. I, I want to I have another look at Luke Morgan here. I think, like you said, against the, the Scotland game, I think was a. I don't think it was necessarily his fault, I don't think he did anything wrong, he just didn't get any didn't get any time on the ball. I think in a game like this, where it could be a bit scrappy and you're reliant on bits of individual skill, then there's, he's the kind of player I'd, I'd want to see in there. Yeah, I agree. You know, as I said, I, I don't think he did anything wrong in Scotland. He, unfortunately, just the ball just never came his way. He was going to George North a lot. But, um, you know, I, 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 he's impressed. You know, he's done a good job for the Ospreys. Um, and, yeah, I, I would give him, the, I'd give him the, a wing shirt um, for, uh, for the Tonga game. And then who else, who else joins him in the back three then? Well, I think, you know, again, a bit of somebody who's been forgotten a little bit is Steph Evans. Yeah. I, I think Steph Evans, yes, he's he struggled this season. There's been a number of games he hasn't been selected for the Scarlets, but, um, you know, again, he's a talented rugby player. I, I would give him um, the other wing slot. Um, and at full-back, for me, Liam Williams, if George North is injured, you know, Liam Williams may need a bit of game time, but mm. he's been outstanding for the Saracens. But the guy I'd like to see play in the back three would be would be uh, Joe Holmes, rather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, again, I haven't seen a huge amount of him play because I don't follow the the Premiership in England that closely. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm very, very intrigued to see him uh, to see him in action. Let's get in that cap so we can't play for England anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, get, I, I, I'd probably slot him in. Again, it's, it's tricky as to whether you go Steph Evans or Liam Williams then. Um, yeah. I d- yeah, I don't know. I mean, Steph's been pretty much bang out of form for me this season. Uh, again, maybe this is the kind of game he needs to he needs to kind of recover a bit of confidence. Um, yeah, I'm happy to take you or Lee. Whatever, whatever you want to go on this one, Craig. Okay, let's let's go with Steph then. Right. Steph Evans on the one wing. Steph Evans on one, Luke Morgan yeah. on the other, and uh, and Jonah Holmes at fullback. Yeah, experimental side, this one. <laughs> it's ready, isn't it? It is. <laughs> might might have changed my mind completely by the time we uh, by the time we finish this podcast. Uh, right, last part of the show will be any other business, and that is coming up after Ben Pegner's uh, preview to the Tonga game. So recently we caught up with uh, with Ben, he's a top rugby coaching consultant. And if you haven't heard the full podcast, uh, make sure you go back and have a listen. There's some amazing anecdotes from his playing days and coaching days. Everything from living with Tom Shankling, uh, coaching with Jose Mourinho, sharing a dressing room with Francois Pinar, and even make sure you, you find out what links Aaron Wainwright and Elvis Presley. So go and check that one out. But in the meantime, here's our chat with Ben looking ahead to the Tonga game. And then Wales is Wales' is third game, sandwiched between yeah. sandwiched between uh, Australia and South Africa, uh, is against Tonga. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, isn't it? It is, and I always find like it's it's almost like a bit of a 
a difficult one to please anyone in Wales with that because if you go out and beat them well, should then, then yeah. people go, well, you should beat them. Uh, and then if you struggle past a, a side like you know a, a Tonga or a Fiji or a, a Georgia as we had last year, you know you then have the, the the kind of the press and people on social media kind of on the backs because they they haven't done it. It almost feels like it's it can sometimes be a bit of a, a yeah. no a no win scenario. Yeah, I know what you mean. Tonga uh, have come on though, mm. and um, you know they beat Fiji and um, summer in the summer. You know our summer, and um, they're they you know they're, they're they're sort of building a bit of momentum. And typically, it's hard for the Pacific Island nations now because their players they don't have a domestic league, yeah. so all their players are overseas. They don't get access to the players. They you know they they, they need these tournaments to all these competitions to get guys on tour so that they can have some training time together. Yeah. You know yeah. Um, there's obviously some significant advantages, you know, that they do have, but uh, yeah, they're they're building quite nicely. So I think it will be a tough game. You know, um, they've got a couple of guys who are experienced campaigners who are still going strong. You know, Steve Maffey still mm-hmm. playing well in France, um, Callum Afoni, those type of guys. You know, um, they got some they've got some good players. So it won't be easy. Yeah, it'd be a difficult you know? game. We 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 do tend to struggle in these games, as yeah. well, don't we? And and again, you know, if it's a Wales traditionally experiment in these yeah. in these features. I mean, it might be experimentation. It might just be that they, they have a tendency to rest players and bring in a lot of... It tends to be a wholesale change yeah. scenario. And when you're going out and playing Tonga, you know you've played Tonga. Because it's yeah. a... You know, I know it's a rugby cliche, but they are, they are a seriously physical side. Yeah, well, I think Wales can win the next three tests. Mm. I, I really do. I think they can win the next three tests. I, I don't see why they can't. I think it could be amazing, you know, as a way of building momentum, confidence, all those types of things. But so they won't, you know, if they if they beat Australia, then they'll thinking, yeah, we yeah. can beat all three. And then guys coming in will want to put their hands up. They might make one or two changes. I think the key change will be around nine and ten. Yeah. You know, because in the ideal world, what would be your first choice nine and ten for Wales? Maybe Webb and Bigger, maybe. Like, in, you an ask, world, yeah. in an ideal world, yeah. In an ideal world. Well, know, in an ideal world, certainly Webb would Webb would be there. But yeah. you know, we've been. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of we've bet- spoken about this a lot so, so that, as a coach I think if I was in that position I think probably without any of the information that they have from the outside the biggest dilemma is for, for me would be do I give you know do I do I play more of a combination try a new combination mm-hmm. or do I give this guy you know Anscombe more time playing with Gareth Davies so he gets happy playing with him and we can see what he can really do in terms of unlocking like you know forwards get to know what it's like playing with him and the backs can run you know Hadley Parks plays with him a bit more and you know that's that's the big st- you know or do you make a change because you're playing against Tonga yeah, you know? well that, I suppose that's the thing and you've got the South Africa game the following week yeah. so you know that that's going to be another physical encounter do you want players go, you know certainly Alan Wynne Jones won't play in that game yeah. you know because he'll have it'll have been through the first two tests yeah. and he's, he's going to you're going to want him Kind of fully fresh ahead of uh, yeah, yeah. ahead of the the South Africa game. So I don't know. My my gut says it's going to be it's going to be wholesale changes, which means by its nature, it's difficult because a lot of those players won't play together. Yeah, they'll come in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, I think I don't know who else they'll bring in. Yeah, I guess it's the likes of Jake Ball will come in and yeah. So uh, get it, Alex get Jenkins will come in and, and players with experience. Yeah, you know. Wainwright and uh, maybe uh, yeah. Rhys Patchell, will he be fit by then or is he okay? Yeah, he's he's yeah, we yeah. expect, we're he expect him to be. Yeah, he should be all right. So then. maybe guys yeah. like that, you know, and uh, maybe Steph Evans comes in and people like that, you know. And when, just uh, just to finish on, you know, you've talked about the importance of experience and building depth and those kind of things. Yeah. 
how much you know let's let's say it's a you know Wales go into this and they they make a lot of changes and they scrape past Tonga 14-12 you know and no one's seeing the positives in it because it's because <laughs> yeah. it's difficult but you know for a young player going out there and making his debut and having to to you know to really really dig deep to to get that win there must be a value to that yeah, getting such experience yeah definitely yeah. I think just going out because you you know going out I never, I never played test match, test match rugby, but you know, like the, everybody always talks about the pace of it, and mm. you know, it goes by in a blur, doesn't it? You know, so I think, yeah, just getting that out of the way, even you know, and getting that out, you know, moving on. But um, yeah, definitely, it will be, it'll be valuable, whatever they do. I think we're going to that as well. Are we? We're going to that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, final part of the show, Craig. Any other business, we just round up all the other bits and pieces from in and around Welsh rugby, uh, starting with a few listeners' questions. So I'll start okay. with this one, and this comes from uh, Nick Humphrey. How do we get fans in Cardiff to respect the kicker? That's an interesting one. That's, that's a difficult one. Um, mm. Obviously, I wasn't in the stadium yesterday, so I don't know how bad was it. Um, when I was watching the game, it didn't really come across, if I'm yeah. honest, but it was so... Um, I, yeah, think it was, I think it was on that key. I think it was on that key penalty, and um, you know, to be honest, to be honest with you, I'm just just jumping in here, Craig. It it doesn't bother me a great deal. I'd rather we sang or you know something a bit more inventive than booing. But I yeah. kind of find this whole uh, this whole be quiet for the kicker thing a bit weird. Um, I, I find it really odd, like when you know when they do it in Ireland. It's it's something that's never really bothered me. Like you know, it's I kind of just think well, it's it's part and parcel. The kickers don't care. You know, if you're telling me that. The, you know Lee Halfpenny or, or Dan Bigger or whoever actually takes any notice of the noise that the crowd are making. I'm not sure I'm having that. They're, they're so well practiced that I think they are in their own their own zone at that at that moment in time. Um, I just think boo- booing's a bit. There's not much imagination behind booing, is there? Um, so I'd probably rather it wasn't booing. But I've certainly no problem with people singing around there, or you know just at least. Yeah, making it making a bit of positive noise back back in their team while an opponent's taking the kick. What, what do you think? Yeah, as you, as you say, I, I find it hard to believe as well that you know that these top international kickers would be bothered by you know fans booing. Um, you know, I, I've been to games. You know, I was fortunate to see a couple of games out in France and mm. the noise that's made there when uh, you know a couple of games I went to when kickers are getting ready to kick. You know, it's it's of a very high volume, but <laughs> I've never I've never seen the kicker see the scuffed due to that. No. Um, and, and, and you know, it's 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 a it's a mark of respect, isn't it? I guess you know, being quiet for the kicker, but you know, how how do you police that? You know, what, what can you do about that? Yeah. You, you, you start throwing fans out because they're making a noise yeah. when someone's kicking. Well, you're not going to throw thirty odd thousand out, are you? So, no, exactly. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how you police that. Um, yeah, but I would be surprised if it does. If that is what causes a kick to miss, I will be honest. Mm. All right, another one. This is from uh, from Matt Armstrong, and uh, yeah, it's a very tif- uh, very interesting one. Um, which players from the backs and forwards can Wales least afford to lose for a successful World Cup bid? So, i.e., one back, one forward. Who are the players who you, you cannot afford to miss? One back, one forward. Um... In terms of the backs, I would go with Jonathan Davis, yeah, an outside centre, um, only because, you know, well, a couple of things really, he is world class. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that name does get banded around quite a bit, that label, but uh, he is generally world class. Oh, um, 
and, and the players behind him as well. You know, when you look at who would have to come in, um, you know, and not, you know, all due respect, they're not the same level as that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the forwards, again, you know, we've got competition in place in a number of areas. Uh, you know, Falato is, is one name that that, that springs to mind, but for me, it'd be, it'd be Alan Wynn, Alan yeah. Wynn-Jones again. I agree. That'd be the one for me. I agree with both of those uh, both of those selections, as does uh, as does Matt Armstrong himself, which is uh, yeah, which is I think they're they're two pretty pretty solid uh, solid choices there. Um, right then, a couple of things to to finish on. Uh, we've mentioned Josh Adams earlier on in the show. Uh, some reports this week linking him with a return to Wales and to your team, Cardiff Blues. I presume you'd welcome that one if that was true. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he, he looks an outstanding prospect. He, he seems to be able to play right across the back three mm. as well, which um, which is great, you know, to have that kind of player. You know, he, he has been linked with a, with a couple of different clubs, haven't he, in, in Wales. So um, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, Gatler made that little comment as well, didn't he, in his press conference about, you know, we now need to get him back to Wales. Yeah. So. So um, it's, it's certainly plans afoot, isn't it? So. I think you're right. And, uh, yeah, quick shout-out to the Wales women as well. Great result for them in beating South Africa. So, yeah, regardless of, of what discipline, it's always good, to see a, always good to see a Welsh side get a win, particularly against a, a Southern Hemisphere side. So well done to the Welsh ladies for doing that. And, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And to finish then, Craig, I'm uh, going to ask you for your player of the week and your player who's had a week to forget. Ooh, player of the week. Uh, well, obviously Justin Tiberic, you know, for the second week running, won the um, official man of the match. Yeah. Um, you know, a very, very intelligent rugby player. Um, so uh, it's very hard really to, to move away from that. Um, um, so I'll, I'll go with um, player of the week, I'll go with Justin Tiberic. Nice. And for player who had a week to forget, um, I did think the Australian hooker, uh, Latu, yeah. had, had, a, had, a, had a bit of a shocker at times. Um, you know, that, that penalty he gave away was, 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 just, was just crazy, mm. you know. He had a complete brain freeze there right in front of the referee, comes in for the wrong side, and, and he still holds on to the ball even after the referee has, has warned him and has even blown the whistle, if I'm honest. So, yeah. uh, so that, that, that would probably be the one I would go with. Good choices. And before we let you go, of course, you um, obviously we've uh, we've known you for for quite a while on this podcast. But the last year or so, you've been helping Matty Reese write his book, which is which is out now. Um, first of all, tell the listeners how they can get hold of a copy. Uh, and secondly, yeah, how how's that been for an experience? Yeah, it, for buying a copy, um, there's a number of different um, stockists, so Amazon. Um, Obviously, Waterstones, etc. But mm -hmm. you can buy them directly via the, the book publishers, which is an Olva. Mm -hmm. um, so if you go online um, for them, um, you buy directly from them. Um, Experience-wise, it, it's been amazing. You know, I remember around about a year ago now, I contacted Matthew just out of the blue, really, mm -hmm. um, and just asked, "Would you be interested in, in writing a book?" Uh, and, and he's been fantastic all the way through it. You know, he's, he's always made himself available. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've built up quite a decent relationship. Well, I'd say that. You have to ask Matthew <laughs> what he thinks. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, yesterday we had the book launch at Caravan's Park. It was a very good turnout for that. Um, and and I'm just, it's just been an honour, really, and been a privilege that he's given the opportunity. You know, I've been very fortunate, you know, as a, as a lifelong rugby fan, you, you know, having somebody tell you stories about rugby, you know, I, I've just been lapping it up, to be honest with yeah. you. It's just been a, it's been a fantastic experience. 
it's amazing really as well because you think you know all of his all of the fantastic things he's achieved in a I guess the 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 peak of his career while he was you know while he was Wales captain and playing for the Scarlets and stuff and then to to turn up at, at Cardiff Blues he's been such a such an important part to to the success that they've had down there and all of this in you know in in overcoming a, a cancer diagnosis as well it's it's just a remarkable story isn't it it is a it's a great story as you say you know he's had some um, matters he had to deal with off the pitch mm. not not just cancer um, which, he, which he covers off in the book and it's just his drive you know he's so he's such a determined character you know he's been out for a number of months with um, with a knee injury his ACL was was had to, had to have major reconstruction done on that and he's hoping to be back next month and it's his last year you know as far as, far as everyone's concerned this is his last year. But he's dry, you know, he gets, he's, he's in there training, he, he wants to be back playing, you know, he, he's not just resting the fact that he's had a great career for 18 years, you know, he, he wants to continue. So um, he's hoping to be back for the Saracens game, so... Um, fingers crossed. So not too far away at all, so yeah, fingers crossed on that. Brilliant, well, um, yeah, it's been great having you on the, on the show, Craig, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks and for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks, for everyone, for listening. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions uh, on everything we've discussed today. So feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Uh, you can also like our Facebook page and our Facebook group, which is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single week. That's simply called Wales Rugby Fans. And follow us on Instagram as well, which is called Welsh Rugby Attacking Scrum. Also, as we record this, it's the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day, marking the end of the First World War. Of course, Welsh rugby, like all sects of society, was hugely affected by the Great War. And we'll finish by remembering the 13 Wales rugby internationals who lost their lives during the conflict. Billie Jean, Bryn Lewis, Fred Perrett, Lou Phillips, Charlie Pritchard, Charles Taylor, Dick Thomas, Horace Thomas, Phil Waller, David Watts, Di Westacott, Johnny Williams and Richard Garnons Williams. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.